Welcome to Real Call, the official Columbia Heights Police Department podcast. My name is Ben Sandell. I'm the communications coordinator with the city of Columbia Heights. I'm here with co-host, investigator Tabitha Wood. How's it going, Tabitha? Good. How are you? I am I'm good. And Captain Matt Markham, how are you doing? Good. And we're here with special guest Zena Stenvik, Columbia Heights Public Schools superintendent and the recent recipient of the T. Nightingale Community Service Award. And you have been with the school for quite some, you started as superintendent in 2020? Right during the pandemic, yes I did. <laughs> but I have been in Columbia Heights Public Schools since 2008, that's when I started. And you have a background in, in bilingual learning? Yes, so I have a degree in Spanish and anthropology. And um, I, I began my career in education as a bilingual homeschool liaison and um, became a teacher for English learners. So there were times in my classroom, I had 12 different languages in my classroom. So the whole world was brought to me. I've always worked in a diverse community um, and with diverse families and students. Um, so when I came to Columbia Heights, I ended up becoming the director of teaching and learning and then moved into an executive director position. And then, yes, during pandemic, decided to accept the role of superintendent. And you um, are responsible for, what is it, 3,000 students? We have 3,200 students. And then how many, I'm just curious, how many English as a second language uh, students do you have? In Columbia Heights Public Schools, we're really proud to have 35 languages spoken within our school district. Um, and we have a large um, English learner student population, uh, about 30%. Uh, so depending on the school, the different schools that you're in, um, it's a significant population and it's wonderful because they bring the diverse world to us. And we get to come together and learn about one another. And our students gain so many skills in multiculturalism and having those multicultural exchanges and really understanding um, difference, you know, really understanding different cultures and respecting different cultures. And they're curious about one another. Um, and it's just marvelous. And Matt, um, tell us a little bit about that award and why uh, Zena was the recipient this year. So the award was actually started due to recently retired Terry Nightingale, worked for the department for quite a long time. Terry kind of specialized in community policing and created a lot of the partnerships starting back, well, his entire career, but specifically, I would say, 2008 to 2009, when we really expanded on our community policing. He was a community policing coordinator at the time. So when he retired, we wanted to honor him through this award, and we give it out to one police officer and one community member every year. And since the, the department, all those years ago, took that approach of community policing, the community has seen a dramatic decline in, um, in crime. And largely youth crime has declined. Um, and, you know, I, I think that despite, um, despite all of the work and all of the different programs that we do, I'm sure that there are some people who still have questions or, or have, you know, feel a little bit leery about when there are police officers, especially uniformed police officers nearby or, or in the area in the vicinity. Um, but the police department does a heck of a lot to try and do that outreach. Um, we have haircuts with the cop. There's a bike giveaway, bike and helmet giveaway. Um, 
the Cooking with a Cop came about, my understanding is from conversations with students and police officers saying, like, well, maybe we don't, Maybe we don't want to play basketball, but we sure do like to cook. Would you cook with us? Um, and so that that um, kind of nimble relationship can happen in in a smaller, tight knit community like we have here. It's really important, especially in this era, that we're focused on those relationships, primarily because of our diverse community, right? And um, you know, race and racial issues have risen to be a high concern across the nation, of course. And we're very thankful that in Columbia Heights, prior to, um, you know, national outcry and outcry in nearby communities, prior to that, Columbia Heights Police Department was very committed to um, equity training, diversity training, and diversifying their workforce, just like we're committed to equity training. Um, and um, frankly, humanization of black and brown bodies, right? And so when those relationships are formed, the adults and the children have a strong human relationship. And I think that that really helps to eradicate violence. So when um, when you started, I know that a lot of this Nightingale Ward, the presentation talked about the kind of COVID reaching out with, with COVID. Could you talk a little bit about as a, a new superintendent going in, COVID hits, you're working with your partnerships in the community. How did you rely on partnerships in the community to help uh, get through that particular era in the uh, in your career? Yeah, so COVID and in other times of crisis, um, the police department and um, also with COVID, the fire department, fire chief came in and we, you know, we had a high level crisis meeting and um, the expertise from the fire department and the police department at the table, um, letting us know what to expect in terms of, you know, worst case scenario of a crisis. Or our philosophy with COVID from the onset was safety first. Like the health and well-being of our students, staff, and families, and community members has to be our top priority. Um, and so, yeah, from the beginning, the police department was at the table um, as they are in any time that we have a crisis. How did you manage not to uh, have a nervous breakdown during these last couple of years? Well, uh, when I started as superintendent, we started talking about Highlanders have heart. So we're the Columbia Heights Highlanders, right? And it's true, the community has heart, the school district has heart, the, the staff demonstrated an incredible resilience. So um, March, you know, on that March day when they closed school, the governor closed schools for two weeks, uh, we had staff come in every day and come together in, separated in the lunchroom with masks on to talk about and plan and create an online school. And so that's what we did. Where So we didn't just send home packets with parents. We, we developed a whole system with Zoom. So there were um, check-ins with students every single day, you know, getting devices out, getting hotspots out relaunching uh, a meal program where, you know, so drive up, pick up meal location uh, at 17 locations in the community. It, it was really every single staff person and then in connection with the different community entities. We called all of the churches and said, can we use your parking lot to, to, to deliver food? And they said, yes, what else can we do? Same thing with the police department. 
And you had a lot of, do you have a question? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, even when you talk about the community entities, um, I remember during that time, one that came to mind is like Pizza Man. I think they offered to give students meals and stuff during that time. So seeing that's awesome. You know, the community came together and partnered to get everything together for the kids. And it was awesome to see they really did. And, you know, at that time, it was it was a scary time for everybody. We didn't really know what to expect. And I have to say, um, we were, you know, the gov- under all of the executive orders from the governor, we kept our schools open for the children of emergency workers. And so we did have staff on site um, caring for children. Um, uh, and they were just they were just amazing how how they made it through all, all of that where a lot of us were at home, uh, we did have staff coming on campus every single day to care for the kids so that doctors and nurses and police officers and other emergency workers could could go to work. And I think the two we partnered a couple times on vaccine clinics. The vaccine clinics were huge. Um, in fact, uh, one of our students was so thrilled that her parent, who was a city employee, was able to give her the vaccine. <laughs> Yeah, so we, um, one of the partner, partnerships that we have with the city and the police is just the Highlander Center alone. Um, and so the use of space, um, use of that facility to bring, I mean, we had hundreds of people coming through those doors to get vaccinated. Um, bilingual staff from the police department, bilingual staff from the from the school, school district, nurses, qualified people who are trained to administer the vaccines. That was, you know, County effort, police department effort, and school district effort all came together. What's that? I mean, that was, I worked one of the clinics and it was awesome to see. I mean, just, you guys had a book fair going, you know, there's balloons, there's all sorts of stuff just to keep kids distracted. And we're handing out packets. The county's handing out coloring packets. I mean, it was awesome for the kids. I feel like they forgot that they were even getting a vaccine. Yeah, let me know if you ever need to, a balloon animal because I had to, <laughs> I learned how to make them and we made hundreds of them to hand out to the children. Um, they were a big hit, yeah. What kind of animals can you make? <laughs> uh, beyond a snake, I can make a dog, which could, depending on how long you make the neck, could be a giraffe. We also had students um, come and volunteer to um, to help with the clinic and hand out snacks for the kids and, and all the pieces. So we have student school board representatives, and one of them was there, and other, other students who came to volunteer as well. Do you uh, do you think that some of your work over the years, kind of building relationships with the community and and make and having a presence in the community, helped Columbia Heights School District get through the these last couple of years? Maybe on average a little better than other districts' experiences have been. You know, in my role over the years, I I receive a lot of. Uh, requests from, you know, various organizations and various salespeople. And, you know, in the past, oftentimes I've turned that people down like, oh, no, we can do this on our own. We've got this. Um, but really come to have come to realize that none of us can do this alone. We cannot do this work alone. We have to partner with our community organizations, our stakeholders, um, and those relationships, having strong partners um, is what's going to make the difference for our students. So I think that that's everything, really, is the strong relationships, that being open um, and creating that 
that culture of, I mean, if we didn't learn anything from the pandemic, we hopefully we learned we must create a caring culture in in our community, within our school buildings, within our classrooms. Um, I just think that's the way that's the way we're going to be able to move forward. And then also, I think there's the communication piece, mm-hmm. messaging. Um, that's been area too. Is how do we how do we communicate with families and get get information out important that's important. And I think another thing too is um, you know just a little thing that we do every year is even curfew and be able to put uh, the city ordinance curfew into different languages and be able to s- send that out and communicate with parents from different backgrounds. That's been important too. Yeah, this year we've sent you and I have sent joint joint messages out, joint um, press releases out um, on any given instance and. Um, I, maybe I should just apologize now for texting or calling you either late at night or early in the morning, <laughs> but, um, but I appreciate the response. <laughs> um, and you know, sometimes when I receive a, a early morning phone call from Captain Markham, it's sometimes it's a really good thing. It's not always a crisis, you know, <laughs> we, we do. So I'll say, what's go, what's up now? And it's a, sometimes it's a really great thing. What we've experienced is it's, it is that relationship building and not about, um, it's not about policing children. It's about building relationships with children, with students, um, so that, or just for the betterment of the community. Our stance is, you know, an equity stance, an anti-racist stance. Our school board has come out with a, a really thorough equity statement. And, um, I, you know, and I'm talking about this because I don't know if everyone knows how, um, how deeply ingrained that work is also is here in the police department. I know that, I mean, that, that you've, your team has gone out to Washington, D.C. for national extensive training and that it's been year over year of, of this kind of training. And it takes time and effort. You know, I'll just speak for myself as a white person growing up in this racialized society. I, I have to, every single day, choose and make effort to recognize a lot of the racial difficulties and understand the history and the historical uh, actions that have gotten us to where we are today, right? And, that, and by understanding that, we know we can overcome it and eradicate it you know, for the children, because it's their future. I know the police department, you know, it's always protect and serve. And it's the same, same in the school district, right? Protect and serve. And so if the police department has a clear understanding that this is a child first, you know, not a criminal first. And and I know that that's what this department, how this department approaches our youth, um, that there, it's a human, you know, it's a youth, it's a young adult, um, not just looking at our youth as criminals because of those relationships that have been established and all of those positive, the positive programming, the mentoring, um, playing games with kids, you know, um, when, when we have events and any of the officers are there, I see them surrounded by students. I mean, I've been a guest in the school multiple times. I attend lots of the events and same thing. These kids just talk to you. I mean, there's not really negative interaction. You don't come into the school and feel like the kids are staring at you. I mean, I work a lot of the basketball games. Those kids are awesome. You know, they come up, give me a hug, and they're like, oh, how are you? How's it been going? And, you know, it's it's complete opposite than I think what a lot of people have thought, I guess, because after 2020, there's a lot of districts that went away from having officers in schools because of 
kind of that misconception. So it's been awesome still being able to have that relationship in the schools. Yeah, I think I mean, I, we'll, we'll have to recognize that I'm sure there are some some students who who are leery or do, might feel uncomfortable. But there are also, um, you know, I think what we've experienced is a lot of relationship building and positive positive experiences. When officers get frustrated with some of the stuff that they may experience on a traffic stop, going to open gym, being a big brother, big sister mentor, those things bring back positivity. And it's extremely important for these officers to engage and have conversations with other people and other kids other than just an enforcement. And I mean, it's equally as good for the community. I would argue it's even better for the officer, especially for their development and understanding the vision of what we're trying to accomplish and, and growing. So. so there was the, the COVID and then there was the unrest <clears throat> that followed. And then there was a certain um, amount of residents who were calling for pulling the resource officers from the schools. How did you respond to that? So in my first year, we, you know, knowing there was a great deal of unrest in the city and the nation, um, we pulled over 600 students um, and with the survey. So the survey asks some, you know, general questions, some specific questions about Officer JP and Officer Farah. And we also had open-ended comments that kids could make. They could just, you know, write any comment that they wanted to make. And so um, we wanted to gather that data and have voice. Um, this is something that goes to the school board. So it's really not, it's not my decision alone. Um, it's really the, the school board's decision. And so there's a lot of conversations. But you essentially took that, that feedback from residents and you asked you asked the students. Yep. So we conducted a focus group. We conducted surveys. Um, we pulled, we worked with the police department to pull the data. Like what is happening with the SROs? What, you know, what are, what types of interactions are we having? And, and what does the data say in terms of incidences? And um, oftentimes it was more, um, let's say there was a, an, a, an adult, maybe a stranger coming on campus who didn't belong there, you know, shooing those people away or making sure that, that they're not coming and entering into the building when they shouldn't be. Um, I think like outside of the school, a bicycle was stolen. And, you know, it's more, more, more times than not, it's something like that rather than, um, you know, that we really, the philosophy is the school admin does, is in charge of school discipline. The, the SROs and the police department's not in charge of school discipline. And if there is any incident or issue that happens where we may need to do an investigation, it's a parallel, separate investigation. So we collaborate um, where we legally can, and we also conduct parallel investigations. So school dis discipline and police work are two separate things. The data did have a lot of students clicking, I don't know. And so there's some question around that. We, we do want to explore that a little bit more. Um, why did you click? I don't know. These are anonymous surveys, so we couldn't identify anyone. There's certainly no kind of retaliation or backlash that would go towards students answering surveys. So, um, you know, it's just an ongoing, continuing conversation that we have with the, at the school board level, at the administration level, with students and with the police department. Um, we have frequent meetings. Captain Markham meets either with myself or with, you know, other administrators in the school district on a regular basis. And, you know, there's... Um, a few times a year, there's data polls, and we were able to have those conversations. So the students, um, 
you know, at the time, the two office, the two SROs were um, Officer JP and Officer Farah, and students overwhelmingly, I mean, I think in the 90% percentile of, you know, they had clearly developed positive relationships. Was there anything that changed or needed to change at all in that relationship? Well, I think, you know, the fact of the matter is law enforcement has gone through a very rough period. <clears throat> and I would argue that law enforcement is changing, growing, evolving at a faster rate right now than it has been in the past. And I think it's a good thing. I think some of the criticisms that uh, law enforcement takes on are very accurate and true. And I think for us, with our relationship with the school district, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to us to keep continuing to improve and implement necessary changes. Bringing on Eileen as a social worker, that's a necessary change. Um, myself and Captain Johnson just completed um, some more uh, training on biases, mental health response and different things. Mental illness is on the rise, autism is increasing. Um, you know, and autism doesn't discriminate. It goes across all cultures and uh, races. And so with, with these things increasing, um, we have to work closer to work on some of these community problems together. Um, and I think the school district has in increased the number of social workers. Yeah, the school district administration, I'll just speak for myself, we were thrilled to hear that Columbia Heights Police Department was adding a social worker. I mean, what a great opportunity for furthering your mission of community policing. Um, the school district it received COVID funding from, you know, federal COVID funding, and we did indeed increase our mental health staff. So social workers and school psychologists, we're seeing the same thing, a really big need to support, to support students and frankly staff, the adults as well in the organization with mental health support. You know, I think the, the pandemic brought out some of these issues. Um, you know, I think depression, drug use, uh, substance abuse was on the rise. But with these together, I think sometimes what people m miss is, you know, we're in the community all the time. The school district is as well. And sometimes those issues bleed into each other where um, the school district can, you know, help a child at, at school during the day. We're at that, they're at their home doing both of that in the evening. So I think working together, problem solving and making sure our resources are working together uh, to help these kids out and these families out is extremely important. And I think that's going to become even more important as we move along. One change that we did make is, and we put it into our into our joint contract, is that we now invite the school resource officers to join the school staff in our, in our equity professional development. So throughout the school year, we've got various, you know, in-service days. And so the SRO is, uh, is invited to sit right alongside our staff. Um, in that learning process. And I know we have to uh, get you out of here soon, so I just wanted to throw a couple wrap-up questions out here. <clears throat> um, for, for both the Columbia Heights School District and the Police Department and the relationship, questions for both of you, what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding that residents have about what you do that you would want to clarify right now? Or is that too big of a question? <laughs> Mine would still be the same answer I said as earlier with the misconception of us being in the schools just strictly enforcing these students and like these students are afraid of us. So I find that to be, like I said, the complete opposite. So, I mean, I, I worked here, I've worked here now going on eight years, first year as a CSL. 
and I had open gyms, and I made lasting relationships with some of those kids that are now graduated. Now I'm seeing their little brothers come through, and some of those older kids ended up playing for my own basketball program that I have. So it's pretty cool to watch and being able to incorporate that, even in my personal life, some of these kids. I guess this, something comes to my head is, you know, the community wants us to be transparent and, but yet we have data practices laws that we have to follow and those come into play between uh, both the school district and the police department. I think you know, just continuing the message that we're working really hard to improve things and we're trying to be as transparent as we can. Um, and we're open to the criticism, we're open to suggestions and um, you know, come to our events that we host, talk to us about what the needs are and just, you know, communicate with us in a positive way. And I think, I think it goes both ways. I think a current misconception for Columbia Heights Public Schools is, and you know, you hear it across the state is because of COVID and the pandemic, there's, you know, all of this academic learning loss and all of these difficulties. And while we did certainly face many, many challenges, there are so many amazing things that took place this year. In a year full of challenges, it was also a year full of triumphs um, with award-winning you know, students competing at the state level and, and placing in speech competitions, in art competitions, in athletics <clears throat> events. Um, I, last weekend, I went to go see our high school theater production, Matilda, and it's just incredible that on top of all of their studies and their homework that students can... Uh, uh, memorize that much dialogue and choreography. I was very impressed. Um, so, so we are very, I guess my word after COVID right now is resilience because that's what this community and the students and the staff are demonstrating. Yes, lots of challenges. And I just see so many examples of resiliency out there in our, in our children, in our community and among our staff. So and with our community partners. It was a true honor to receive the T. Nightingale Award, the Community Service Award. Um, we know that without the community and the support of the community and being out there making those connections, that uh, we won't be able to fulfill our mission. And so the, the recognition during such a challenging time um, is, it truly is an honor. So on behalf of Columbia Heights Public Schools, we thank the awards committee um, for for the, the honor of receiving the T. Nightingale Award. Thank you. I want to thank our special guest, uh, Columbia Heights Public Schools Superintendent Zena Stenvik and our co-host, Investigator Tabitha Wood, and our co-co-host and slash guest, Captain Matt Markham, and uh, I'm Ben Sandell. Thank you for listening. This is Roll Call signing off. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>